0: This episode of you talking to me was recorded under lockdown conditions. Hello, I'm Philip Simon.
1: And I'm Rachel Krieger.
0: We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Reform.
1: And I'm Orthodox.
0: And this is the chat show that recreates the sensation of finding yourself on the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bat mitzvah.
1: You get all excited that the person next to you might be the one, till your auntie points out they're actually your second cousin once removed.
0: Each week, we'll bring you two of our favorite funny Jews to chat about their lives, their experiences growing up, and how much Jewishness plays a part. At mealtimes, are they Chaimi? Or Hammy.
1: Welcome to Jew talking to me. So, Philip, what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week?
0: So, I think I actually lived out a Jewish joke this week because we've been taking the show very seriously, and we've had briefings with our guests beforehand. So, it's not just mm-hmm. been turning up and recording it. We've actually been trying to make it feel professional, and we had a briefing with. Uh, two of our guests for a different show the other day and one of them very kindly sent you a text message afterwards saying Philip is delightful and instead of just enjoying the compliment my typical Jewish reaction was to send you a message back that said Well, the other one didn't like me.
1: (laughs) But you know what? She also only complimented you and didn't say anything at all about me.
0: Well, say that's your Jewish week is turning my story into your story. Well, that's very true. How about you, Rachel? Have you had any particularly Jewish week?
1: I have had a Jewish incident in this week, which is that I texted a rabbi and uh, I texted him because we had a bit of a kosher related incident in our home. Let me let me just tell you what I texted him. Last night, my son decided that despite it being in a meaty pot and looking completely different, my shepherd's pie mixture was actually vegetarian. So he put it on a plate with spaghetti and cheese and microwaved it for supper. Can I somehow re-kosher the metal knife and fork? Please pray that I have patience with my children. And then, because I was on autopilot, I added two kisses.
0: Oh. Just just two kisses.
1: I mean, how many kisses would you put on for a rabbi normally? I, I would normally I'm, I'm... go for none.
0: <laughs> so what happened? Has he replied?
1: He has not replied, but I can see blue ticks. <laughs>
0: so he's definitely read it. That's... He
1: he has read it. And now my anxiety is what is going to happen. I don't know how he's receiving my message. Does he think there's some kind of affection underneath? How is he going to make his maybe, decision about what I do?
0: Maybe he's uh, deferring to a higher power before he gives you like, an answer. Like God. Well, his wife, I think.
1: I don't know. I am still waiting for a reply.
0: Let's introduce our guests to the show. First up, we have a scriptwriter, author, occasional performer, and short-lived internet star, Iva Badil.
2: Hey! Listen, I just want to say one thing before we we get going. I think it's okay to get together with your second cousin once removed. You know, I mean, not that I not not preferably, obviously. If second cousin once removed is far enough away. If they're the one, go for it.
1: I look forward to having a regular love advice section (laughs) from you.
0: (laughs) Iva, welcome to the show. Um, Have you you had a particularly Jewish
2: week? (laughs) Well, every week is a Jewish week in the Badil household, but fantastically, I had a salt beef bagel delivered to my door from Brick Lane Bagel Bakery. It's fantastic. You've got to get an app. I can show you the app on my phone. Am i Am allowed to show you my phone? I'm doing it anyway. At the bottom there, and I make it bigger, just there is Bagel Bake. You've got to download the app and you can order anything from the Brick Lane Bagel place. So we've got a couple of salt beef ones and uh, obviously smoked salmon and, and cream cheese as well.
1: So I've got an app on my phone called Kosher Near Me, which basically oh, yeah. tells you anywhere in the world, the closest place that you can find kosher sandwiches
0: i am very disturbed either mainly by the number of unread emails you have and i really want somebody to get on top of your admin uh, oh God, please, did you see that? Uh, promise me after this show just answer some emails
2: i do i'm very good at answering emails as you well know when you email me it's just Brilliant. a lot of them a lot of them are, are, are nonsense ones you know from from literally years ago occasionally i go through my Emails I've received and I'll delete a load of them. I do that thing that I think a lot of people do You get an email you read it and you kind of want to reply straight away, but you think oh no, that's not cool I don't Mm want to I've got to make out that I'm too busy. It's a bit like when you were younger How long do you leave it before you get back to a girl or whatever?
0: Obviously you're very happy with people feeling very patient as they wait to hear from you and someone else who's been very patient is our second guest has been sat there waiting to come on uh Olivier Award nominated actress and singer it's Debbie Chazen
3: hello good evening
0: hello how are you
3: I'm very well thank you so much for asking
0: thank you for joining us how Jewish has your week been Debbie so
3: the most Jewish thing that's happened to me this week happened literally five minutes ago when I was oh, wow. suggesting the Lane Bible app. Bagel. bagel bagel <laughs> Because I just downloaded it and I'm looking forward to trying it. So thank you, Ivor. Tip top app tip there. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> we always like to start off by asking, what's the matter, bubbler? And lockdown is affecting lots of people in lots of different ways. So I'm curious to hear what's biting your tuchus, Ivor?
2: Well, I, I, I knew this was coming, so I just made a short list. I'll tell you what's bothering me. Uh, (laughs) Pandemic, racism, 5G, my father, my weight, my back, my heartburn, my feet, my hay fever, my son going out on his bike, my son's GCSE grades, my daughter wanted to go away to a cottage with some friends, the bathroom, we need a new one, the sofa, we need a new one. Those are the big things that are bothering me. I'll tell you one thing, here's an interesting one. So I sold something on eBay over the weekend I'll tell you what, it was a Fortnum and Mason hamper. The actual, the food's all gone, obviously. I got that ages ago, but you can sell the hamper. They, they actually go like wildfire on um, on eBay. So I sold it, I think on, on so I'll say Sunday, cause you know, I would, obviously wouldn't do it on Shabbos. And, <laughs> and then the woman who bought it got in touch with me and kind of said, I really need it by Friday because it's a present for my mother. And if it doesn't arrive, she won't have a birthday present. It's a big old thing. I've got it all packaged up and, and I took, I did take it to the post office today. right? But I put on the eBay advert very clearly, second class mail. So I said, how much is first class? And he said, it's £15. <laughs> so basically I, did, I I went with the second class because I just thought, look, that's, that's how I advertised it. It's out of my hands now. But now I'm feeling bad. I mean, it probably won't arrive in time for... I don't know this, but I've never met them. I've never spoken to them. I feel bad about it. Should I have spent the extra £7? Tell me. Did I do the right thing?
0: And actually, that's very much the reason we put this podcast together, was to reach out to the public and ask if this is the right thing that <laughs> has happened. I, I think you did the right thing. You did what was advertised. You, you struggled with your conscience, which I think it shows a sign of a good man. My wife and I, when we, we we renovated our house a few years ago, we sold everything on eBay. We sold the kitchen, the bathroom, the conservatory.
1: Philip was putting stuff on uh, sales groups on Facebook so often. Every few minutes I was getting like alerts. You remember there used to be those adverts that in the winter, if you see someone with milk bottles outside their door, you've got to knock on and make sure they're still alive. There was a day when nothing went on frugal frimmers from Philip's. And I thought, God, you know, I hope he's still
2: alive. Maybe I should phone him and check. Right, so, so I know. I just want to mention two other things <laughs> that are bothering me. One is the fact that these headphones are, are, are just a bit askew, which is really annoying me. I can't get them right. <laughs> um, there's also a table tennis app on here. I love table tennis. Right, there's this app. It's called Virtual Table Tennis. I cannot get any better at it. It's really annoying me. That's just a few of the things, very minor things, that are bothering me. Well, that's what have got time for today, folks. <laughs>
1: That's a substantive list, I would say. Um uh, and I'm so pleased we could offer this therapy session for you. I feel better.
2: I feel a lot better. Good.
1: Excellent. Debbie, have you prepared an immense list of things that are annoying you at the moment? How's your
3: tan? Are your hair okay? Yeah, no, my hair, no, my hair's a disaster. But if you put it up on top of your head, no one realizes, so it's fine. If if I took it down, it'd be like the Yeti. <laughs> but I but actually to go off on a slight tangent. Your story of eBay reminds me of the time as a jobbing actress, uh, we often have to take on sideline jobs. And I saw a job advertised saying driver required for old lady, just to get from here and there every day, bring me for details. Anyway, I rang, I went along to meet her. She happened to be Jewish. She lived near me and she said, no, I what I what wanted someone to drive me to bridge and to drive me to my friend uh, Ethel and to drive me to the supermarket. And how much do you think you would want for that? And I said, oh, well, I don't know. I've never done anything like this, but I suppose 200 quid a week. And she said, uh. No, 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 don't be ridiculous. I'll pay you £25 pounds a week. Take it or leave it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and because I, she said, no one, no one wants to do this job and I don't know what to do because I can't get around. I'm so lonely. And I said, okay, all right, I'll do it. She didn't pay petrol, but it did last three weeks, which was a lot longer than most people. And the job cost me um, about 500 quid, I reckon. <laughs> uh-huh. I do have to unniggle so I was driving home and I was parking and this Israeli guy happened to be passing by and he started directing me into the space in front of my flat and I was like it's okay I first of all I've lived here for 15 years secondly I've been driving for longer than you've been alive and I thought if I was the man driving this car would you have you know, directed me into this space. So that little me
1: slightly. I mean, he sounds like the kind of person that probably yeah. would have still directed you into the space. If you were like, I'm trying to think of the name yeah. of a famous driver, but that's not really my thing. Gen- is Jensen Button a driver?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Okay, do
1: I, I, you know, I could go home now, take the rest of the day off.
2: Just so you can drive fast. He might be awful at parking. When I started working
0: with Rachel, I learned that she takes her role as a Jewish mother very seriously. So it would be remiss of us not to ask uh, at this point, have you eaten yet?
3: I'm absolutely fine for food, yes, thank you.
0: Debbie, do you have a particular memory of a Jewish food that meant something to you when you were younger or or just something you really enjoyed about Jewish food?
3: I enjoyed food, full stop, rather too much. And I was always very obese. (laughs) I put that down entirely to Jewish food and Jewish mothers feeding me Jewish food. I was size 18 when I was 10, and at my heaviest, I was size 32 and 23 stone. And I love Jewish food, I mean, chicken soup and bible, bagel, bagels, and bagel. all, all of it, but none of it's healthy, let's face it. And we did have a sort of typically Jewish food upbringing, apart from my father, my late father, who was probably one of the world's first actual vegetarians, he was taken to a... An abattoir on a school trip when he was uh, maybe nine or ten, and was vegetarian ever since. And this was in the days when vegetarians were really considered to be quite, you know, a bit cuckoo. But <laughs> so we used to have sort of uh, TVP textured vegetable protein, but made into you know uh as Jewishly as possible. We also had uh, meat, but my sister grew up knowing how to make chicken soup and doing all that sort of stuff i've never made it in my life i'm very lucky i look around the corner from anywhere that you would like to eat in a Jewish neighborhood so i know where to buy everything but i can't cook it i feel quite strongly
1: that i need to come over and teach you how to make it now it's like everything in my genetic is like pointing me in the direction of teaching me how to make chicken soup i'm not honestly i'm an award-winning chicken soup maker um in that once I did a fu- we did a fundraiser for another show that i was in myself and an- another jewish woman or we were the kind of people behind that show and we did a chicken soup off and the audience got tasters of both and i won
0: i really like the idea of a chicken soup off because the hebrew word for chicken is off
1: oh. very good oh. we having fun and we're learning
0: oh who's been hitting duolingo on lockdown
2: <laughs> uh, what so what is the word for soup because you'd have to put that uh, in marak, the word. Marak. Oh, off, off maraca off,
0: off. it's oh, marakoff. Yes. Marakoff.
2: <laughs> which sounds
0: like don't eat my chicken soup isn't that the insult they used to say in neighbors oh marakoff. <laughs> is that no just me yeah. Iva, do you have a particular memory of a jewish food from growing up
2: of course I do. Of course. Yes. I mean, well, yes. Yes and no. I mean, oddly, this is very strange, really, but my late mother was an awful cook in complete contrast to just about all my Jewish friends. She was awful. She was famous for making roast potatoes that were literally like coal. They were like they come out of the oven and they were just just like tarred black and delicious. But they, looked, they were so burnt. We had a frying pan. That I don't think in my entire childhood that was ever washed. The congealed fat in there—they could have mined it for some sort of energy. It was—it was incredible. And then we also had everything was out of a tin. I seem to remember every dessert was like tinned mandarins. But the other odd thing about my parents—God bless them, I love them—they were so inhospitable compared to <laughs> my, my, seriously my Jewish friends opening the fridge. Oh, I've not got a lot in. They said, "What? You know, come and stay and eat for supper. Stay the night. Move in. Whatever." My parents—I'll give an example of how inhospitable they were. I came home one night, I was probably about 15, 16, with a couple of friends, and I was making them, literally making them, a piece of toast each. At which point, my father came down the stairs and started shouting at me, saying, What are you doing? This isn't a hotel! so well, yeah, oddly inhospitable. So, almost sort of anti-Jewish relationship to food, in a way. Having said that, I feel I should say, my dad, the one thing he did, he never did any cooking, he never did anything like that, it was very traditional reasons I don't really know. The one thing he made was chopped liver. So to this mm. day I can see him cooking the liver and then we have one of those old mincers, I think. I mean, you push it through and it was delicious. I mean, I, I mean, show me the Jew that doesn't love chopped liver, but my father's chopped liver was fantastic. My mother, I loved her matzah braai. She made lovely matzah braai. Her, her, her roseth, um was second to none. So there was a couple of things she'd pulled out of the bag.
1: I had a slightly distressing conversation with my daughter-in-law-to-be recently when she described Mutsu Brai, and I quote, as sad scrambled eggs.
2: Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's so much better than that. Good Mutsu Brai, I love it. It's
1: fantastic. I mean, I thought that was going to be our first falling out. Uh, my, maybe it'd be my second falling out after my rabbi. I was going to ask if he's texted
3: you yet.
0: No, this I'm on really, Shilka's. This is really going to be a thing, isn't it?
1: Well, you know what?
3: I mean, he's got one job, religious advice. Like, that's his only <laughs> thing. He's probably gone to his rabbi and said, what do these two kisses mean? I don't understand. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's quite stressful, the waiting. I find the stressful thing with kisses in a text message. Do you ever find that the first one becomes a capital X?
2: Yes, Mm, I I go back
0: and edit I I don't want the person I'm sending a message to to get the impression that the first kiss was more valuable (laughs) than the second or third.
2: Can I just tell a story involving kissing and rabbis and things like that years ago I used to be a teacher and I did my teacher training at Leicester University just was up there for a year and I got invited to a Friday night at the the rabbis and I arrived and I was introduced to his wife and I went to give her a kiss and her head is here and her head just sort of dropped down so like, that's a bit odd. So I dropped down a bit further and it went down. <laughs> I promise you, I got to about the floor before I realised <laughs> that I wasn't meant to kiss her and she was trying to avoid me. It was incredibly embarrassing.
1: It was quite excessive way of avoiding somebody just to try and shrink yourself lower oh, lower boy. down, as opposed to just saying, I'm religious and I don't touch men.
2: Yes, it was. Very, but then, well, you know more about this. I mean, she can engage with me, can't she? To you really no, but she could, she could have done that. You're right. She could have said to me, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, or or yeah. Get, get off.
3: <laughs> I was just going to talk about the time, but I'm my husband and I met a very religious Jewish lady and he put out his hand to shake hers and she said, Kung Fu Jew, don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool.
0: That is a very cool way of doing it.
3: Cool but bizarre.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess if you have no context of it being a thing, that would be really weird. Mm. I mean you just maybe you just think she's dangerous like she's so dangerous you can't touch her she'll just slice
0: you in half. Yeah. This has gone to a very dark place. Well it has and and the original question was are you going to kiss your rabbi? Why? Oh, Rachel, it sounds like there's going to be a real broigus now between you and the rabbi and maybe the Rebbetson as well.
1: I didn't even think about her. I mean, I do love a broigus. Tiny little disagreement or a mistake or a misunderstanding can schlep on like through many generations. I'm just curious to know whether you've come across any broiguses, like really petty disagreements in your families or amongst your friends or even celebrities, whatever, that have rumbled on and on and on. Debbie,
3: what about you? I can't think of any celebrity Boricuses, but I was going to talk about my own family. Um, My my late father's side uh, are Scousers and my late mother's side were Southerners and they couldn't be more different. The Scouse side, you know, they don't talk to each other for years on end because of something someone said. And you're like, so uh, what's the current state of play? And so, oh no, they're talking now. And then a week later, they've fallen out again. And my uncle, I won't name names in case anyone is watching this who knows him, you will know. If you live in Liverpool, you'll know him because you've probably been sued by him at some point, over (laughs) something. He's always got some kind of case going. (laughs) It's always kind of very tenuous and he never seems to win. Have you got any
2: good stories? I've been involved in the whole uh, anti-Semitism in football thing around the, the Tottenham chanting the Y word and I had lots of fallings out. Hefty arguments with a lot of other Jewish Tottenham fans who, uh, you know, who would argue that they thought it was okay to say it. But the main one in my family, it's it's quite sad in a way, but my father and his best friend, and this was a guy, you know, he grew up with, he's from South Wales, and uh, he had three kids as well. I've got the three of us, and, you know, we'd go on holidays together. They, they were really tight. They were big, big buddies, probably in my father's mid, maybe late 40s. The other guy who I also won't name, he sold my father a car and I think within about a week or so, the car completely broke down I think it was just undrivable. turned out it was some hairline fracture that the AA checked it and it was so hairline that nobody would ever see this and you wouldn't even know. So the other guy then refused to give my dad back his money or I think he offered him a derisory amount and then it just escalated from there. And then to be honest with you, they, they never really spoke again. We as children and then as, as we grew up, we try I think we arranged a couple of meals for them to try and because you know they were they loved each other. That's the terrible thing about real broiguses. It's about people ultimately you know who really love each other it's a bit like in football a local derby actually they're the same people they just happen to be ne- their neighbors they're the same people and yet because they're so close they kind of they fight i
1: like the idea of you lot and the other children making these romantic meals to bring them back together like hayley mills in the parent trap
0: that is the disney film i'd love to see though that- <laughs> <laughs> The Broigas. Bregu- Bregu- Snow-, Snow White takes on the wicked queen.
2: I have written a film script called Broigas. It's all set around one one big Jewish family, and they all come together for a wedding. Unlike a normal Jewish wedding, which is is a beautiful, joyful expression of love, and there's laughing and eating and singing and dancing. The opening scene is the four corners of, of the big reception room and it's like silent.
0: Well, I'm I'm really flattered that you used this moment to launch this film, that there will now be a massive broigus if the three of us aren't
2: cast in it. Just- oh well, I've already spoken to Rachel and Debbie about it. I didn't they told, they told me you weren't you weren't bothered. They said don't worry about it, Philip, he's fine. Do
0: you know what? I've I've got a lot on. Um, yeah. actually. <laughs> I'd find out about it because the Jewish community is so small and connected. Everyone knows everyone. I mean, Debbie, you and I first met originally back in the day because I was working in an office between acting jobs and I was working with a very lovely lady who turned out to be your sister.
3: Indeed. So, and she told sister, <laughs> she's still my sister, funny enough.
0: I love thinking about the six degrees of can't eat bacon. So I'm wondering, Debbie, is, is there anyone on your family tree you're particularly excited about?
3: I don't think any Game of Thrones Games of Thrones? Game of Thrones fans out there. I am one, I can't even remember what it's called. Anyway, on the closing credits, a name goes up, Special Effects, Adam Chazen. And of course, I Googled him and, and messaged him and said, Hello, I'm Zippy i Are we related? I love Game of Thrones and I'm an actress. Oh. And I think that's what he thought I was angling for part, which I thought it was. But (laughs) in the knowledge that someone who does special effects is not going to be able to get me a part in Game of Thrones as was not the three auditions I did for it that didn't
0: get. I think uh, Game of Thrones is a pretty good connection. Um, iva, you're gonna have to work pretty hard to beat that to find someone famous in yeah. your family.
2: Well, obviously, you know, the surname deal you know, when I show a bank card or mention my name or whatever, weirdly people a lot of times just don't say anything. I expect it to come up more, but when they do, 95% of the time it's it's my brother, David. Not, I've got another brother, Dan, but for some reason people don't mention it. 5% of the time people say are you related to Rabbi Badil who used to teach at Hasmonean? In the sort of religious Jewish world I think he's a bit of a celeb. There is a very religious wing to our family who I'm afraid we don't know very well.
1: In kosher food, there's the idea of purrv. So something that isn't meat and it isn't dairy. It's an accompaniment. It's a glass of water. It's like your side dish of vegetables. So I'm just wondering if there's anything that either of you know that other people feel really strongly about, but you're like, yeah, it's a bit purrv.
3: At the risk of either absolutely hating me, Football.
2: oh no, no 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 sorry
3: yeah sorry. right i even i bought my husband tickets to go and see i think it was england versus san marino at wembley because i thought well i don't like it on the television i can't be bothered but maybe if i see it live it'll be so exciting i'll get drawn into it and i'll it'll change my life
0: and it didn't, sorry. I am with you, Debbie, on this. I'm really not that fussed. I was the one in our antenatal class where one of the dads said he was really excited because he knew that he was having a son and that meant he could definitely take his child to football. (laughs) I was the one that said, "Well, I I think they let girls go to football now.
1: (laughs) Football is para for you. (laughs) Ivor, how are you feeling?
2: I, I, I get it. I just can't tell you how much I love football. You know, I've got two two children. You can see the the Chelsea shirt behind there. I'd love both of my children to love football. My my daughter, I don't want to be sexist about it, but if she had, it would have been great. She doesn't. But my son, thank God, he loves football now, and and thankfully he's a Chelsea fan. And you know, it's brought me so much joy. I kind of want him to get the same joy out of football that, that I have. But I understand people that don't get it. But I actually did take my other half to a couple of games, and she kind of admitted that she could see the excitement and the way the, the crowd noise and everything she could see why people get excited
1: how would you have felt if your son didn't want to support chelsea good
2: question when he was quite young there was a thing called build a bear philip you might know that Are your kids into build a bear they you know? they
0: aren't into build a bear mainly because we don't like spending money on them oh, yeah, <laughs> um, very wise but we know we do know of build a bear because right. we walk past and every time although it looks busy we do tell them it's closed <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're very wise because it's really expensive but For people who don't know, it was the sort of thing, you could make your own bear. You went and you get the outer skin and you'd stuff it full of, you know, whatever you stuff it with to make the bear. You get all sorts of um, costumes for it. And we were in the Covent Garden shop one day and he probably was about six. And he, he must've known, he very meekly came up to me with a teddy bear sized arsenal kit which is really like a dagger to the heart. I mean, he went, Dad, could, can I get this my bear? Through gritted teeth, I said yes. But then maybe he picked up on it, my subliminal message. But then about five minutes later, he went and got, I think it was a Batman costume or something, and he said, I- I'm going to have this instead. And ever since then, it's been Chelsea all the way, which is, which is such a relief.
1: There was a noise of a text message there, but that wasn't my phone, and it wasn't a message from my rabbi. So just...
3: From your rabbi
1: to me. Is this the start of something beautiful? Ivan, obviously you're very passionate about football, but is there something you feel a bit more power of about?
2: Well, I I wondered whether it might come up already, and it has. It's Game of Thrones. You know, I sort of should be into it. I, and I've tried, I've watched a bit of a few episodes. don't hate it. I'm sure I, you know, what? the little bits I've seen, the goods, hasn't grabbed me at all. I've watched
0: every episode. <laughs> I could not tell you who anyone is. I haven't got a clue. I've watched them all. I take it or leave it. I used to watch them when I was on my uh, lunch break, when I was temping in a synagogue. And for some reason, it was only at the moment the rabbi would walk past my desk that that's when I put my <laughs> clothes off um, in the episode of Game of Thrones, just to be fair. But I, I don't get it. I, I don't get the excitement.
3: Debbie, you look horrified. Well... <laughs> To be honest, so we caught up with it late in the day. We didn't uh, start when it um, began. We didn't start watching it then. It's, it's stunning. The performances are great. The costumes are great. The settings are beautiful. The script is stunning. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a super, super fan in that, you know, I couldn't tell you any, anything, anything or anyone was, but I loved watching every single second of it
1: show's all about Jewishness so uh, uh how Jewish are you?
2: Blimey. what a question
1: What's the most Jewish
2: thing about you? The fact that I just kind of went, oh, blimey, what a question. Um, <laughs> probably that. No, look, I'm very Jewish. I love being Jewish, but I'm very culturally Jewish. Um, I had a very weird Jewish upbringing. I went to North London Jewish Day School, which people may know is a very religious Jewish primary school. I went to school every day with a couple and sits it, And yet, often for breakfast, my parents would give me bacon, which was very, very confusing. I mean, my main Jewish Jewishness came through Habonim, which I went to from the age of eight and absolutely loved. It was kind of the making of me really, because my second, I hated my secondary school. I went to City of London, which might as well have been a Jewish school. There was, I think 300 Jews out of 800 boys, but as a school, it, it just, I didn't take to it. You know, culturally, I, I love being Jewish. You know, dancing at a Jewish wedding is when I, I feel most at one with my culture. I am very Jewish. I use Yiddish words. I like Jewish food. A lot of my friends, because of that upbringing, a lot of them are Jewish. I identify strongly with being Jewish, but I, I'm not religious, not really at all. Me and my brother's family, we'll, we'll do a, a Seder night, we'll do Hanukkah uh, and a bit of Rosh Hashanah. But, you know, we don't do it properly. We don't even do it on the right night. We're so busy now that, you know, roughly around that time, we'll sort of say, when are you free? For the last few years, I don't think it's ever been on the right night. But it's kind of, it's not about that. It's not about getting it right. It's about spending time with the family. And Don't shoot me, but my other half is not Jewish, so technically my children aren't Jewish, but... They like the fact that I'm Jewish, they consider themselves Jewish uh, or half Jewish. That's important to me. I want them to know about their, their Jewish background, the Jewish culture. My other half is happen to be Methodist, it's important they know about that culture as well. If you if you make a decision such as mine, then you can't say, so I'm not going to celebrate the other person's culture as well. I've never had a Christmas tree growing up, we never celebrated Christmas, and I thought I might find it a bit odd having a Christmas tree in the house. But actually, I don't, I really like it. A proper nice Christmas tree is, is a, actually, it's a very nice thing. Doing that alongside Hanukkah, you can sort of do both, and if my children decide to become more religious in one way or another, or, or Buddhist or whatever, or, or not at all, then it's fine by me. I hope I've given them what well, I I am giving them a fair degree of Jewishness so they can make make that decision.
1: As an Orthodox person, um, like my world is bound around these specific times and dates for doing things. And I'll be perfectly honest, the idea that you could just select when it is most convenient for you, is very, very attractive
2: to me. You oh,
1: know, good. like, why don't we do a Seder for lunch? Like, why's it got to be at two o'clock in the morning?
2: Seder night is normally April, isn't it? It's not as if we do it in October, but let's say it's April the 5th and 6th, because there's two, aren't there? If we can do it on the actual day, I think this year we, it was all the Zoom Seder, as I'm sure you all did, but I'm pretty sure we did it on an actual Seder night. But then, Rachel, you might know this, is. You know, because it's yontif. Is that was it allowed then to use Zoom?
1: Lots of people took a, a different decision this year than they might have taken another year because they felt we're so far apart and they wanted to be able to be in touch with their grandparents. I don't think anybody could be particularly judgy about that.
2: Funnily enough, I have become quite friendly with a Chabad rabbi recently in the last year or two, and I had a sort of Talmud lesson with him. I think it was about two or three weeks ago. Because I'm, I'm fascinated by the Talmud. I love the notion, but really what it is, is as far as I understand it, and I don't understand it very well, you know, a load of, of learned rabbis kind of questioning, arguing, challenging, debating. And to me, that's the essence of Judaism. All do I know? But I don't like the idea of blindly accepting something. And I don't think Judaism is that. You know, you get the Torah and you can minutely look at tiny bits of it and argue and discuss. I love that part of Judaism. And it... And it it's true culturally as well, with the old, you know, nine Jews in a room, ten opinions. We like to argue, <laughs> argue and debate. And, no, we don't. Uh, yeah. Do we? Okay, <laughs> <yeah>, good. <laughs> very good. That's not an argument. It's just contradiction.
3: I'm a bit like Ivor. I had a very, very Jewish childhood. My late father was actually a cousin, a cantor in a synagogue. And every Shabbat we would go. Um, I was very young, so I would take my Barbie doll. And legend tells how I used to undress this Barbie doll in the middle of the synagogue and embarrass mm-hmm. my poor terribly. Then I went to uh, a non-Jewish school. My sister went to Henrietta Barnett, which was a very Jewish school. And I went to St. Paul's Girls' School, which is a very Church of England school. And I think there were possibly 10 Jewish girls in the entire school when I was there. And all the things that I was interested in, like the drama club, where they were all on a Saturday. And my mother was quite uh, into religion then, and, and I wasn't allowed to join in these things that I really wanted to join. So for me, at that point, religion became quite, um, you know, so there was an obstacle to my happiness in life. And so I sort of started turning against it a bit then. And then when I went to university, I went to Manchester, and my late mother said to me, the last thing she said to me was now, be a good girl, join the Jewish society, go, you know, do nice Jewish things. The second someone says to me, do something, I don't want to do it. And if someone mm-hmm. says, don't, I want to do it. So I took that as a carte blanche to do whatever the hell I wanted. <laughs> and Friday nights, I'd phone my mum and say, yes, yes, good shabbat, shabbat, shalom. And I'd go to the pub. Um, and it was you know, <laughs> finding myself because i had a very sort of strict, possessive Jewish mum. So I was just you know, finding freedom in those years. And actually, uh, my husband is Jewish, but about as religious as I am. We live in Golders Green. We don't have children that we have to bring up in any particular way, so I always say, you know, we live in Golders Green. We've made Aliyah. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're there. We've done it. And my sister is still very into her community, and she takes part in all the festivals. And she is the good sheep of the family. I'm very much the bad sheep of the family, but she's, you know, she's taking it all on her shoulders to do to be the good girl. And I'm afraid I'm a very bad girl, but I know intrinsically and culturally I am Jewish and, you know, anti-Semitism really annoys me and things like people playing Jewish characters who aren't Jewish and you can tell they're not Jewish really kind of gets on my nerves. You know, the minute you hear something Jewish on the television, your my ears prick up because I immediately identify with it. So for example, the Simpsons will be on and it'll I'll be multitasking. But the other day there was a, an episode that started with the mitzvah. And of course, my I had to watch the whole thing because it was Jewish. It's so inside me that it will always be a part of me and it cannot be denied. I'll use Yiddishisms, I love Jewish food. It's my identity.
1: Well, that's almost the end of the show, but how will our audience find out what you're doing if you don't call and you don't write? So this is a chance for you to promote yourself and let them know what, how they can find out what you're up to. Normally we'd allocate 20 seconds for each of you to do this, but
3: for you, 30. Well, if you'd asked me before lockdown, I would have said, well, I'm doing this theatre job and that TV job and this film. Sadly, all of those uh, have died. (laughs) Um, But I have been very productive during lockdown and I have started sort of cabaret thing that I'm getting involved with. Check me out, follow me on Twitter at Debbie Chasen. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, I think the brazen Miss Chazen. you'll find me under. If there is any updates, I shall, believe me, let you know.
1: I love the idea of the brazen Miss nice. <laughs>
3: It had to be done. <laughs> and Ivor, what about
1: you?
2: Yeah, at Ivor deal, or I'm on Facebook or what have you. I've written a children's book, but, uh, but that won't be out till next April. next us pay time. So have me on again and I'll come and promote that properly. I'm going to mention my internet film because my brush with internet fame. All that's brought me is a lot of unpaid work. So I've done three. <laughs> I did a film for the NHS which involved a load of celebrities making fun of the whole heroes thing. And I'm doing two other short films. Uh, They're both coming out relatively soon. One's for Noah's Ark Children's Hospice, which people may have heard of, which is mm. desperately in need of money. And the other one is a new organisation called Faith United, which has, I think, been set up during lockdown to, to have a sort of interfaith communal response to the whole thing.
1: Excellent. Um, I'm just going to tell you that I have now had a response. Oh. Oh. So I thought I would share it with you in case anybody's worrying about what happens if their child microwaves milk and meat together. And uh, the response I've received is this. Wait 24 hours, clean them and then boil them in any pot to make them kosher again. So there you go. uh, Cliffhanger.
0: (laughs) Hang on. though, That wasn't the only cliffhanger, was it? Uh, (laughs) Did he? What did he say about the kisses?
1: Oh, he didn't mention the kisses, but he did think that my message was funny. How I said about pray for me. He replied, I thought you were funny. Your last line really cracked me up. Four exclamation marks, no kisses.
0: Did he say no kisses?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just telling you.
0: <laughs> He's left it open. That, that's very smart. He's got plausible deniability now. <laughs> Do you think that's it? I've absolutely loved this show and I would always think of Debbie now as the Jew who introduced us to Kung Fu Jew and Iva as the Jew who cast everyone in a film except me
1: <laughs> as my grandfather used to say i loved seeing your smiling faces arrive and i will love seeing your little tuchuses leave and we have come to the final moments of this week's show we'd like to thank our guests debbie Chazen and Ivor Badil. please follow them on social media follow us on social media at jew talking without the g
0: join us next time on jew talking to me You Talking To Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon.
1: And me, Rachel Krieger.
0: It was produced by Russell Vulkin. I'm genuinely concerned that you two have been cast in a film that I've not.